0: The President puts his signature on the American Rescue Plan at a cost of nearly two trillion dollars. What will it mean here in Indiana? Today my exclusive one-on-one with Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. And I'll talk with Indiana Senator Todd Young, who joined fellow Republicans in voting against the stimulus plan. And a recap of our exclusive Town Hall. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus.
1: Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana, this is In Focus with Dan Spieler.
0: Over a year ago, no one could have imagined what we were about to go through. But now, we're coming through it. President Joe Biden speaking to the nation Thursday night to mark one year since COVID-19 became a global pandemic. Today, we're talking with our Indiana lawmakers about the path out of the pandemic. Good morning. I'm Dan Spieler. We'll have a recap of our In Focus Town Hall this morning, and I'll talk with Indiana Senator Todd Young. He had a lot to say about the stimulus package that President Biden signed into law on Thursday. This week, I also spoke with Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg about the American Rescue Plan in his first local TV interview here in Indiana since joining the administration. Great to see you again. We had a chance to chat when you were running for president. Now you're out in D.C. serving as Transportation Secretary, what is life like for you there in the nation's capital, and what has
2: surprised you the most about the journey along the way? Well, uh, Indiana still feels like home to me, but uh, things are going well here in Washington. We're working hard to deliver an American rescue plan that's going to lift millions of Americans out of poverty and help us beat COVID, and uh, it's an example of the kind of action uh, that, uh, uh, that we came here to do. Uh, Being able, every single day, every single hour, to be taking up a a new compelling area of policy in terms of uh, what's going on in the administration, what we can do uh, by way of transportation, it's uh, incredibly energizing and I'm, uh, I'm just grateful to be part of this administration and have this opportunity to serve.
0: Let's talk about the American Rescue Plan. You've been doing interviews like these, uh, touting this legislation and, and what you feel it will mean to this country. How do you respond to those who think it's too much money or to those who say only a small portion of the bill is going to items specifically related to the pandemic?
2: Well, first of all, we're in a crisis of historic proportions. And I think there's much more danger in doing too little than there is in doing too much. And there are a lot of things that maybe it's not quite obvious uh, unless you think about it for a second, how they're related to COVID, but they are. Give you a simple example, and it's from my own area of transportation. Uh, We got a lot of support in here for local transit agencies uh, that are absolutely vital, especially for frontline workers who depend on them to get to work. Now the funding is required because uh, a lot of these agencies lost revenue during the lockdowns uh, that came with COVID. If those agencies have to cut routes and lay off workers, that's going to make it that much harder for people to get shots. At the end of the day, this is about getting checks to families, shots in arms and getting our economy back on its feet. Uh, we have a great opportunity here, but uh, if we do too little, we could miss that opportunity and uh, we'll be regretting it for a generation.
0: In terms of transportation, this stimulus money obviously going out to a number of Americans uh, will certainly help but in terms of other costs you have things like gas prices on the rise again now it's possible airfare could go back up accordingly uh, one day as well as there's more demand for people wanting to get out and travel after the pandemic do you think that stimulus money will be enough to help offset some of those costs
2: well, it's certainly going to make a difference for so many American families who really will benefit from those $1400 checks that uh, make it possible to uh, get back up and running quickly. Uh, look, a lot of folks have seen reduced hours. Many have lost their jobs outright. Uh, others still have their jobs, but but are facing a, a, a real uh, kind of cloud uh, on the horizon in terms of some of the things that, that this crisis has thrown at us. The American Rescue Plan is about getting through that. And then, remember it's part one of a two-step process step two is recovery where we can take on challenges that aren't just about getting through this year they're about making sure america can compete and win for a generation to come and uh, i'm excited to work on that as soon as we've been able to finish the job on this rescue plan that americans overwhelmingly want to see done what else are you hoping to accomplish in office what else do you
0: hope congress is able to accomplish in terms of infrastructure and other transportation-related expenditures, and what kind of impact might that have in a state like Indiana?
2: Well, it starts with the basics. You know, a place like Indiana, this is pothole season as uh, uh, the the thaw gets underway, and we know the conditions of our roads and our bridges, Uh, not just uh, back home in Indiana, but everywhere around the country needs a lot of work. Uh, The engineers give it a D-plus report card overall uh, when it comes to the condition of our infrastructure. Uh, So we've got to deal with that backlog, that that maintenance need. Uh, It's not very glamorous, but it's incredibly important. But we can also think about some exciting things that are coming in the future. I'll give you just one example. Electric vehicles, uh, something that our part of the country uh, in the Midwest is a big part of economically as American automakers gear up to deliver those vehicles of the future. It's also important for climate. It's important for jobs. One of the things we got to do, though, is make sure we have enough charging stations as a country to support that new technology. Those are just a couple examples uh, of the things that we have a chance to deliver with a visionary infrastructure package. And I got to tell you, you know, I'm talking to Republican and Democratic uh, senators and House members uh, all the time, and there is bipartisan energy to get something done here. What do you miss most
0: about Indiana, besides filling potholes, of course? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, uh, you know, of course, I, I, I miss home. I miss being able to uh, take the dogs for a walk around the neighborhood, uh, being able to go to at least pre-COVID, the, you know, the, the restaurants and, and ball games. Uh, but uh, I'll be making sure to get back home from time to time and, and take advantage of that, especially as uh, life starts returning to, if not the old normal, then hopefully a, a next normal that's going to be better than ever.
0: We're all looking forward to that for sure. Secretary Pete Buttigieg, thank you so much for joining us. Great to see you again.
2: Great to be with you. Thanks. All
0: right, meantime, another exclusive this week as we gathered Indiana's congressional delegation for an in-focus town hall, the path out of the pandemic. Lawmakers sharing their views on this stimulus bill and other key issues related to COVID-19. Our Mike Sullivan has a recap. From stimulus
3: checks to vaccinations to mask mandates. Oh, show of hands question. Politicians are often divided when it comes to our nation's biggest issues, especially when given a town hall format on our station. The bill is not perfect. No bill is perfect. Congress passed a $1.9 trillion stimulus package, which will include $1,400 stimulus checks for those who qualify, Democratic Congressman Andre Carson saying.
1: Pandemic further revealed how many Americans are just one missed paycheck away from financial ruin.
3: Indiana's Republican lawmakers believe the bill lacks bipartisan support, saying the package only benefits large Democratic states. Some legislators also questioned the need after the last stimulus bill.
1: A trillion dollars from the legislation we passed last year
3: Mm -hmm. that hasn't been spent. There will also be a $300 federal boost for unemployment checks. Senator Mike Braun has cause for concern for small businesses.
4: Trouble getting people back to work. Don't want enhanced benefits.
3: Representative Jim Banks doesn't want to see those workers or students wearing masks in the near future either, calling into question mask mandates.
4: Our leaders owe everyone in our state and our country with an explanation of when when are we going to get rid of the mask.
3: For Indiana, the number of COVID cases continue to decline as Hoosiers line up for vaccinations. It still should be a choice. Representative Victoria Sparks saying when it comes to mandatory vaccination for schools.
5: Definitely we cannot force people to do things that they don't want to do.
3: But physician and Representative Larry Bouchon believes you may soon see demands made in the private sector.
1: School districts, businesses, and others will have to make their own internal decisions on whether or not They will require uh, teachers, students, or employees to get vaccinated. And that's uh, the private sector is going to have to make that decision, but the government should not mandate it.
0: All right, so here's a breakdown of how the Indiana delegation voted on the final version of the American Rescue Plan Act entirely along party lines. All Republicans, including both of Indiana's senators, voting against the bill. This week I spoke with Indiana Senator Todd Young. It's been a full year now since this officially became a a pandemic, a global pandemic. And as we reach that milestone, the president's stimulus bill has now made it through Congress. You and other Republicans voted against the bill. We just heard from Secretary Buttigieg on this. He said, quote, we're in a crisis of historic proportions. I think there's more danger in doing too little than there is in doing too much. What's your response to that?
4: Well, last year, Republicans and Democrats came together consistently during an election year, uh, five different times passed uh, bipartisan legislation, and we did enough each time. uh, Made sure that uh, people had what they need uh, to take care of their families, take care of themselves, take care of their loved ones. And I had hoped that when President Biden came into office, we were going to do the same thing. But instead, I think we delayed the process a bit uh, by uh, the go-it-alone approach taken by senator schumer and nancy pelosi in congress and we certainly spent a whole lot more money than uh, hoosiers want Uh, rather than spending money uh, on vaccine distribution and manufacturing and and getting people back to school and to work as quickly and safely as possible uh, which is where less than 10 percent of this 1.9 trillion dollar package was dedicated Instead, we ended up spending a lot of money as a Congress on, on things like the arts, the humanities, subways uh, for Nancy Pelosi's congressional district and other pet projects. So uh, I instead supported an alternative approach that would have given Hoosiers everything they wanted from household payments uh, to all the other priorities I mentioned. And it had a price tag of $600 billion. So uh, my hope is that uh, next time, Uh, we, we work on a major piece of legislation, there will at least be an effort to, uh, move it forward in a bipartisan fashion. Polling, though, has
0: shown that a wide majority of Americans support this legislation. Are you concerned your party uh, might be out of step with a large majority of people who do support this stimulus
5: package?
4: Well, I suspect polling also shows that a large majority of Americans believe that this is about COVID and COVID relief. I've already indicated that uh, I support the things that are popular among Hoosiers. So over a period of time, uh, the the American people will be informed by reputable media sources and by uh, elected officials and others like myself that uh, spending on the arts, spending on the humanities, uh, mandating that people spend their hard-earned taxpayer dollars uh, for uh, abortion providers and other unrelated things to COVID were jammed into this bill and it was uh, passed without a single Republican vote. That is not what the American people want.
0: A lot going on there in Washington. We hope you and your uh, colleagues there from the Indiana delegation also get to watch some basketball here in the days ahead. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks a lot, Dan. All right, coming up next this Sunday in Focus, we'll talk about the state and city's safety plan for March Madness and Talk about the pressure some are putting on Governor Holcomb to end the state's mask mandate. Could that happen sometime soon? We'll talk with our panel coming up
1: after the break. People feel like they're getting their lives back. And I think think they are. And so I'm proud and I'm, I'm grateful that optimism is rooted in the data. And the data is undeniable.
0: Governor Eric Holcomb this week sounding optimistic about the state's fight against COVID-19 as more vaccines continue to roll out across the state. We're going to talk about that now with our panel. U-Indy political science professor Dr. Laura Wilson with us today, along with 2016 vice chair for the Indiana Trump campaign, Tony Samuel, and former state Democratic Party chair Robin Winston, who also played a key role in the Biden campaign's efforts here in Indiana. Laura, I'll start with you. The governor opening up the vaccine to, to teachers this week at the direction of the White House He's also dealing with a legislature that wants to limit some of his emergency powers. We've seen that nationwide, including in states like New York, with everything surrounding Governor Cuomo right now. He's faced multiple controversies here in recent weeks. But how do you see that debate over the governor's powers playing out here in Indiana?
6: I have to tell you, Dan, it's something I get a little excited about because oftentimes we don't consider constitutional powers and who should be in charge of what rules and responsibilities. Uh, but that said... We should always be cautious when considering changing the rules of the game, whether that be through laws or through the Constitution, understanding that these are incredibly unusual circumstances. And I hope circumstances which we never live through again, if we change what powers the governor has, this would last if it's changed constitutionally or if it's changed via law for future governors, depending on whatever the circumstances are, regardless of partisanship or balance, anything like that. So as you said, it's something that we do see playing out across the country. I think they're important conversations to have because, quite frankly, oftentimes we just make assumptions about what governors can and should and ought to be able to do and what uh, legislators can and should and ought to be able to do. And yet I would always exercise and recommend and exercise in caution because changing the laws in the Constitution this way for an immediate and potentially unusual circumstance may not be in the best interest of the long term. Uh, focus for the
0: state. We'll see how that plays out. Robin, in our town hall this week, you heard a number of Indiana Republicans saying it's time to end the mask mandate. The governor not taking that step just yet uh, ahead of March Madness here in Indianapolis.
1: Governor has been sensible all the way through in all of his approaches on, on this issue. It is not that hard to figure out if you wear a mask, if you socially distance, if you get your shots, you go a long way to help us resolve this issue. So I think part of the issue on gubernatorial control and power is related to some of the things the governor has done about the mass mandate. He's right on. Science is right on. The doctor's right on.
5: We shouldn't change this right now.
0: Tony, how do you see that debate playing out here in the weeks to come if things do continue to improve as they have been?
5: Well, that's the good news. Things are improving. We've got a Big Ten tournament here and we've got a NCAA tournament uh, here uh, coming up right around the corner. Uh, we didn't see that coming a uh, month or so ago, um, and, and, and the mask mandate will end in, in, in due time. I, I, I don't blame folks for getting antsy about it, but the governor is looking at a variety of data, not just one or two factors, and I think that's wise. Um, as far as limiting his powers, uh, the legislature uh, looks at it uh, like they need to have a say. We went months between uh, the time, you know, eight, nine months between the time the crisis started and before they had a voice uh, when the General Assembly reconvened and look at all of the other states uh, that uh, have really been, uh, where there's been an abuse of power by the governor, uh, New York uh, and California come to mind. So there needs to be that discussion. Uh, The legislature seems pretty energized uh, or uh, that there will be some change uh, but then there is the constitutional okay. question. So it's going to be interesting to see.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right, let's, uh, let's talk about the events at the White House this past week. President Biden signing the stimulus bill Thursday uh, after speaking to the nation to mark one year since this officially became a global pandemic. Laura, what did you make of the president's remarks this week?
6: Well, he's setting forth a very ambitious plan. And when he talks about that May 1st deadline, there were clarification points, right? Not everyone has to have had both shots. Not everyone has to um, have actually had the vaccination, but he wants every eligible adult to be in line at that point. And really making this argument for a federal, I would say, oversight in some ways. So far, states have been largely in control of the distribution in terms of who gets it, where they get it. Um, but but really bringing in this idea of federal government and making sure that there's some guidelines there i think as i said it's an incredibly ambitious plan because may 1st will be here before we know it and though things certainly are getting better and there are more vaccinations this isn't something that's that's terribly easy so what he's laid out here Um, It is going to be very difficult to do, but something that obviously he and his administration think will be possible by that May 1st deadline.
0: And, Robin, the president plans to keep selling the benefits of this stimulus plan across the country. Other members of the administration doing the same, like you saw there in my interview with Secretary Pete Buttigieg.
1: Well, and they're fanning out around the country because they learned from 2009 that then-President Obama had a tremendous plan. But you have to let the American people know how it affects them at the kitchen table how it affects small businesses, how positive it's going to be. So the president's going to Delaware County, the vice president's moving around the country. Everybody is fanning out to talk about this. This is going to have a discernible impact to benefit our small businesses. We're going to get our country back healthy. We're going to get our country back to work. And it's admirable that the president's doing that.
0: Tony, as Americans start to get those checks in the mail, even this weekend, is there some concern Republicans will come to regret voting against this?
5: No, Republicans also need to explain their point of view. There's a reason they voted against it, and one of those reasons is a $600 million going to uh, Nancy Pelosi's hometown of, of uh, San Francisco for a pet project. Another reason is $2 billion going to prisoners, and, and another reason is not enough money spent on reopening schools. Uh, $118 is, is the average per student that's, uh, that's in this uh, COVID relief Bill, but but yet uh, uh, prisoners like the the uh, Boston bomber are getting fourteen hundred dollar checks. That's not right. There was a lot of waste in this, uh, and and not to uh, not to forget that the, there was one trillion dollars left of the three point two trillion that's already uh, been doled out uh, from the CARES Act uh, from last year, uh, and, and a couple of different uh, bills exactly. that that were passed previously. So a lot of waste, and uh, you know we can't afford that. It would have been nice. If, um, if uh, Joe Biden, if President Biden wants to talk about unity, you know, there was a lot that he could have done uh, in that regard to give credit to uh, the previous administration, President Trump, for the Operation Warp Speed, which brought us the vaccine in nine months and everything that's happening now was put into place because of uh, President Trump's efforts.
0: Okay, we got to leave it there. Coming up next this Sunday in focus, the Big Ten tournament here in town this weekend, the NCAA tournament next week, all of it right here in Indiana. We'll hear more about the health and safety plan to keep our city safe next.
4: For March in Indy to be truly a success, it's going to take all of us, residents and visitors, players, and fans practicing the fundamentals.
0: Local officials say they're ready for the NCAA tournament here in the Circle City, Lucas Oil Stadium, and three other sites here in Indy, along with IU and Purdue, hosting tournament games this week, the first time ever. The tournament's all been held in one place. Health officials say they've put together a comprehensive safety plan that includes regular testing and contact tracing for participating teams and officials. A couple big programs had to cancel conference tournament games because of positive tests, so we'll see how that plays out here. Today, the Big Ten tournament wraps up here in Indy. You can watch the championship game later today on CBS 4, followed by the unveiling of the brackets on the NCAA selection show at 6 o'clock. That's followed by 60 Minutes and the Grammys tonight on CBS4. Stick around. We're back with this week's Winners and Losers right after this. Okay, time for this week's Winners and Losers. Robin, you're
1: up first. Got to be Joe Biden for the uh, stimulus package. Um, any losers would be any Republicans who turned down the money, but we'll gladly take it in other parts of the country if they turn it down.
5: Tony. My winners are uh, the folks at Visit Indy that have that have done so much good work uh, in, in a time of crisis to bring uh, the Big Ten and, and the NC two A tournament. Leonard Hoops, Chris Gall, their teams, uh, great job. Gonna be a lot of fun. Laura, you get the last word.
6: So my losers are governors like Andrew Cuomo. Um, looking at Greg Abbott, any governors that disregard data. My winners are governors like Eric Holcomb and other governors that are using data and putting policy over politics. That's really important right now.
0: All right. Thanks to our panel. Thank you for joining us this week. We'll have much more on our podcast and we'll see you again next Sunday in Focus.